Welcome to the Aging Gracefully podcast. I'm Mary Thompson. And I'm Janae Anderson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. Mary, I have a fully awakened friend. Can you imagine? I can't imagine that. I can imagine seeing a fully awakened person but not having them for a friend. (laughs) It's great. It's truly remarkable sometimes. And at the same time, he's really ordinary sometimes, and I love that about him. And he loves to use the F-bomb a lot, and I love that about him too. (laughs) But the way I got to know him was that I went to a four-day, what he called play shop, not a workshop, that he was offering. And the very, you know, very first thing he said, basically, after introducing himself was, so we're here together for four days, and I have no idea what's going to happen. Wow. And that was true. He had no idea what was going to happen. It's just that he was very open. Okay. Very open to let whatever was going to unfold, unfold. As you say that, it's like I can feel myself go, oh, I don't know about this open open idea. I want, I want a schedule. I want an outline. I want to know what's going to happen. And I see that you're holding your hand in a fist, right. which, is, which is like that tight, you know, resisting kind mm-hmm. of... Real constrictive. Yes. So how did the weekend flow for you with that open quality? It was magical. It was amazing. <laughs> how would openness play out in something like that? What, is that? what does that mean? What does that look like? Not knowing what's going to happen next, you know, opening your opening your mouth without knowing what's going to be said. Mm-hmm. That hence, sort hence of thing. the f bomb. <laughs> hence the f bomb. A good filler. <laughs> but no, it was, and um, I have since then. The quality of openness has become something real to me. Something I've been playing with for the last few years. What does that look like when you say the quality of openness? Well, I've considered myself in the past a very resistant person, which I would say is the opposite of openness. So <laughs> My closed fist. Yes, the closed fist. Yes, so something comes up and the instant response is, <gasps> oh no, kind of thing. I don't want to do that. And um, so not pushing down the resistance, that isn't how I worked with it. How I worked with it was allowing it. Because if you resist the resistance, you're just closing more. Mm-hmm. So opening, allowing the resistance, and then the resistance doesn't really have power. Mm-hmm. Um, it only has power if we're resisting it. So from there, I'm able to be open to whatever wants to unfold. Okay. Can you think of an example of how you've done this or anything like that? What come up for me while you were talking was that, that phrase, what you resist persists. Yes. It's like the thing that I'm most afraid of is always going to be knocking at the door. Don't you find that's true? I, well, I do find that's true because I, I think one of the things I go with, one of the things I think about with this is that idea that we find what we're looking for. So I remember being in a workshop and the person said, I want you to take a minute and look around and count how many blue things you see. And so he's got his clock going, okay, go. And he was looking around, I got a blue, we got a blue, we got a blue, we got a blue, we got a blue. Okay, good, we're good. And he says, and he said, okay, your time's up. So how many orange things did you see? And everyone just kind of, well, we weren't looking for orange things, we were looking for blue things. And he said, well, just because I asked you to look for one didn't mean you couldn't look for the other. And I think I'm always looking for that thing, whatever I'm resisting. You know, if I'm afraid of having to run into someone and have a superficial conversation at the grocery store when I'm dressed in grubbies, 
then I'm always on the lookout for, oh, is there somebody here? And I'm not really having that experience in the moment. I'm too conscious of what I'm resisting. That makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. um, and what I've noticed about myself is that the first response to something is usually my ego. And the and so it's usually no, because <laughs> yeah. the ego is such a, a naturally fearful, limited, restrictive sort of energy. Um, but to answer your question, I think that um, so we had a friend who started talking to our meditation group about the course of love, mm -hmm. um, this amazing, amazing piece of work of literature and um, I I was turned off almost instantly for one thing it was supposed to be channeled and Jesus channeling and I didn't believe in channels and you know I just thought it was a bunch of hokey pokey but my husband Roderick decided that he wanted to look into it so he joined this group that was reading the course of love and I was poo-pooing it um, but every now and then Roderick would read a piece of a course of love to me and I would, I'd go, oh, well, that, that actually sounds kind of cool. And, uh, and then later he'd read some more. And, and just slowly but surely, it really started to spark my interest until I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Really? It says that? And, and so I joined a group, and then I facilitated a group, and now I'm facilitating my second group. And it's, it's been a total life changer and, in fact, has been one of the things that has sparked this interest in being open. Okay, and if you had resisted the ever listening to it, no, I don't want to hear anything about what you're into. I want to shut that door. I'm not going to go there. You would have missed out on this opportunity. This huge opportunity. Mm -hmm. And because this is a podcast about aging gracefully, we do want to tie in. As we grow older, it's easy to be restrictive. You know, yes. I don't want to do that. I'm too old, right? The old well, we I'm the too story. old excuse. Yeah, we have the stories that we've been playing in our head for years and we project them out to the future. It's always going to be like this. And we don't, we shut down. We shut, we shut that door. Yeah. I think there's also the other side of it that I could be open to something and explore it and discover, yeah, don't like it. Yeah, great. You know, and that's good too. It's not saying that I'm always, that I'm always shutting my, myself down to things that are super positive. Maybe I'm also being protective and I could go in. But having that exploring mind, I think when I looked up the term openness when we talked about, oh, maybe we'll talk about this because I'd never really thought much about it and they reframed it as curiosity you know that looking at the next moment with a curious mind instead of a judgmental mind that oh that's going to be a channeled book i don't like channeled books maybe i read a channeled book 10 years ago and i didn't like it but maybe this one's different so just staying open there it is i'm just going to stay open to the idea that possibly i'll like this and maybe i won't but i don't even know until I step into it. And won't it be fun to explore? Mm -hmm. Yes. So exploration. I think exploration comes up for me as something that a lot of us as we age, we are less likely to step into. Exploring means going someplace new, being a little bit uncertain. It's like we've already found what works. Mm -hmm. why, why would we step out into the discomfort zone? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. True. And we don't, I don't know, I think as we age, we think, oh yeah, I've done that. I don't want to be a beginner again. I think so. And so if we have an attitude of openness, we get to also have the attitude of being uncomfortable sometimes, of feeling incompetent sometimes, mm -hmm. at the being at the bottom of the learning curve. Mm -hmm. One of the things I struggle with is, when, have you ever been to one of those exercise classes where they put you through either dance moves or some kind of moves that are set, and everybody else in the room seems to know what they're doing? Mm -hmm. And 
I don't. I never do. <laughs> Even if I've been in there a long time, I still have a hard time grasping those things. And I don't look super graceful while I'm doing it. So I'm always really resistant to them. And what I recognize is if I stay with that attitude of lightheartedness, you know, who's really going to be looking at me <laughs> doing this, that I'll enjoy it. And it doesn't matter if I'm not doing the moves right. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter really if I'm in time with the music. I always try to stay kind of towards the back so they're not going to have a focus on me. But I'll be back there just laughing the whole time and just enjoying it. So I'm still open to it, even though it's something I will never, in my mind, I will never really gain mastery at. I'm not going to commit that type of energy to it to become a master or a teacher of it. But that's it, right? Like we always have the choice to, Course of Love says we always have the choice to either go for love or go for fear. And so you're you're in the back trying to keep up. And, and you can either laugh and be light about it or you can be resistant mm -hmm. and fearful and upset about it. And I can project into it that people are judging me. And if they are, so the hell what? <laughs> I'll judge them right back. <laughs> How dare they judge me? It's like Byron Katie says, um, you know, the, the spiritual teacher. She says, if somebody comes up to her and says, oh, Katie, I love you. What she thinks is, oh, that person is doing so well because that person's able to love. Where if that if somebody comes up and says, oh, Katie, your stuff's a bunch of BS and, you know, and, and I'm not happy at all with it. And, and then she thinks, oh, that person is not doing well. Right. And not because it's about her, but it's about that person. Right. And, yeah, so it's the same. You know, if somebody's judging us, that's not really our problem. Right, but that's not always easy to let go of. That I is mean, very sure true. Sure, your, your awakened friend may do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here being unawake. <laughs> but can we open to the possibility that it's not our problem? I know. I right. mean, fear of disapproval is huge. Mm -hmm. It's just ingrained in us. Yeah. Well, I think I remember hearing, um, oh boy, this was years and years ago, it was in context of a principal from a school was speaking at a conference that I was attending. And his big thing was telling people and kids that what other people say about you is none of your business. You know, don't worry about it. And it's kind of what you're saying as well. And it's so hard to let go of that um, concern. Maybe it's one of my neuroses. Maybe it's one of the things I'm holding on to that, oh my gosh, that if people have a negative opinion of me, it means that I'm bad. Whereas you could reframe that and say, if people have a negative opinion of me, yeah, okay. They're, they're not doing so well. Right. I remember one time when someone had gotten together people who knew me pretty well and to tell them about me, to talk to them about me and to give them my their negative, this person's negative opinion of me. And so then these people rushed over to tell me, you know, they asked me out to tea and they wanted to tell me about what this person had said. And because I knew this person didn't have a high opinion of me. We were in a conflict and I knew they were struggling with that. When they told me, it was like, well, what do you believe? You know, as I'm talking to my, my friends who knew me really well, and this person had, had made some disparaging comments, I said, do you believe those things to be true about me? You know, because it would have changed the context of our friendship. And they said, no, 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 we don't believe that, but we, we wanted you to know about this. Mm. And I said, well, I'm not worried about it. As long as you don't believe it, then that's okay. And if he goes and tells somebody who does believe it, that's okay. I can't do anything about that. No. Wow. And um, it was a big, it was a big moment because I don't think I've ever approached things like that, but I was taking the higher ground Yeah. that I didn't want to. It's real easy to get defensive and start, you know, mm -hmm. it, spitting venom back. Right. You want to know about him? <laughs> right. Right. But I like that. And it comes back down to being comfortable in your own skin. I think if I'm comfortable here where I am, I can be open to something new knowing that 
my success or my failure at it does not inherently change my opinion about myself. Yes, that's beautiful. And I don't know about you, but as I get older, I am more comfortable in my wrinkled skin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's, there's certainly something to that and feeling, you know, looking in the mirror and appreciating and being, going back open. to aging, being open to the way that I look and the ways my body is shifting and aging and adapting what I'm doing, being open to what I can do, you know, without being harsh about where my limits are. Absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to a friend this morning who told me that her sister spent $400 on something that erased the dark circles under her eyes mm. um, now that she's older. And, and she was so pleased with it that she went out and spent another $400 to get another one. And, and I've been, you know, just sort of... <laughs> I started to get under the other eye. <laughs> <laughs> this eye looks so good. I'm going for this one. <laughs> $400 per day. <laughs> Um, but I was just thinking about like how we resist, how we, you know, how we look mm -hmm. as we get older and mm -hmm. yeah. And what if, mm -hmm. I mean, what if we could step in front of the mirror with that openness of, wow, look at how this face is changing as it ages and look mm -hmm. what happens, what's happening to this body and what I can do and what I can't do and what I probably can do, but don't, but I'm resisting wanting, uh, trying and, mm -hmm. you know, just, just to look at it all with a sense of exploration and discovery. Yeah. I think we did an earlier podcast on ageism, as I recall. I think we did one. And I think it's going to come to ferreting out the places where we're ageist about ourselves. Yes. You know, we may hold these beliefs from when we were younger, having attitudes about older people and the way they are, the way they look, the way they behave. And now we're that person. And maybe we need to revitalize ourselves and, and look at those look at those places, our dark corners, where we might have negative judgments about ourselves. Yeah, and they're not always just dark corners, right? Sometimes they're they're right up front. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, because I you know I look in the mirror and it's like, oh, I look terrible in this, or you know, oh, I'm this age, so I shouldn't wear clothes like that, or I shouldn't mm -hmm. behave that way. And I think it's again, it's a restriction. It's putting up boundaries to the way in which I could be. What if I did it? What if I, what if I did something different? I've already decided that I'm not going to limit what I wear mm -hmm. because of my age. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to wear something that shows my belly, so I, I never have. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if I want to dress in a younger woman's clothing, I'm just going to. Yeah. I really love it when I see older people doing that. Well, I think you want to wear what's what feels comfortable, what feels fun. That's I was with a friend this weekend, and she put on an outfit, and then she said, you know, I really don't like the way this looks. And it was like, nobody said you had to wear that. Right. She was like, well, I'm going to go change. And she came back out. She was just so much more comfortable. But it's that idea of she was open to looking at how she looked in the outfit and turning around and going, nope, not, not comfortable. And not because, oh, I'm too old and I can't wear something like this. It was more, hmm, no, just not my look. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you wear something that is making you feel good about yes. yourself? Mm-hmm. I bought a pretty spring blouse that I'm waiting to wear as soon as the sun is up. Oh, nice. So it was like, yeah, so it was really fun to think of how we dress ourselves, how we how we look at ourselves, how we care for ourselves could all be factors of how open we are to being the age we are. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I typically have dressed in only thrift store clothing. No. Um Maybe I'm just not worth dressing nicely or something. I'm not sure, but something shifted um, a good six, eight months ago, and, and winter was coming, um, and I don't have any, I didn't have anything warm and nice, 
And I said, forget it. I am ordering or buying some lovely warm sweaters and leggings. Great. And I did. And I mean, the leggings are fun. They're prints. They're colorful. And in fact, I was wearing one pair the other day in the store and someone came up to me and said, those are the most fun tights I've ever seen, you know? And I was like, yeah, because that's how I want to be. I want to dress playfully. Mm -hmm. um, and when I think of openness, it has a playful, light quality to it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think of when I'm doing that class and I'm horrible at it and I just laugh and laugh and laugh mm -hmm. because it's just so, it's, I, I see myself from the outside and kind of with a loving laugh. It's not like laughing derisively at myself, but I'm having fun like a kid out skipping. Yeah, and, and that is, I think, one of the lovely benefits of being open and how you can tell when you're open is there's a sense of lightness and laughter and playfulness mm -hmm. as opposed to when we're taking it very seriously and, you know, feeling closed. And I also think that um, when we're open as opposed to closed, there is a jump from the head, the closed, more rigid part to the heart, the more open, expansive, mm -hmm. curious part. Yeah, think with that for a minute. So when I'm coming from the heart, I'm coming from acceptance, and I'm coming from love. Yes. And if I'm coming from the head, I'm coming from judgment, and I'm coming from right, wrong. Yeah, and you know, when we, when we believe our thoughts, which we almost always do, unless we're being real conscious, then um, that can be a very stressful experience. I don't know about you, but most of my thoughts aren't the most pleasant sort. <laughs> I, like, I, was, I got caught up in when we believe our thoughts, and then I thought, well, you know, it's, well, I always believe my thoughts because they're mine. But I think sometimes my thoughts are coming from some experience I've had in the past, maybe in someone else's voice, telling me, you can't do that. Nobody wants to see that. Uh, you're too old. You're not good. Something. I know I didn't make those things up. Right. I've heard the concept of the ego mind. Mm -hmm. So I think when we talk about those particular thoughts, mm -hmm. we are talking about the thoughts of the ego mind. And, and most of our attention, most of the time, is on whatever thoughts are playing in our head. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not really a very happy way to live a lot of the time. Whereas if we can um, sink down comfortably into the heart. Um, I was taking a short walk this morning and realizing I was in my head and I was feeling grumpy and I was believing the thoughts about how my left calf had a big knot in it and I was, you know, just pissed. And, and then I just kind of sank down into my heart and stopped feeling alone because I was feeling really alone and realized, you know, that the trees were around me and this beautiful breeze was blowing and I was with my beautiful friendly, happy dog, and just everything shifted because I went from that rigidness to a sense of openness. So there's a part that comes up for me too while you're talking is contentment in the moment. Yes. You know, contentment with what's going on, even if what's going on may not be what we want to have going on, but here I am. I was thinking that I talk to people sometimes about practicing contentment. I say, so when you're in line at the grocery store, start just feeling what can you be content about right there? I finally get that opportunity to read the covers of the magazines I will never buy. Yeah. <laughs> Find out what's up with the royal family <laughs> or the stars. And, um, you know, maybe I can make sure I got everything on my list. I've got, I've got this moment to breathe. I don't yeah. often have a lot of spare time right. in my day. Right. And when you're waiting in line somewhere, it's just spare time. It is. Or um, I'll tell my yoga students that it's a chance to practice Tadasana. Feel your feet on the floor, even out your weight on your feet. Notice your breath, you know, that sort of thing. Drop right. down your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had to drop down my shoulders while she said that. <laughs>
But I think, yeah, so looking at that contentment in the present moment, even if it's someplace that doesn't seem like it's a very cool place to be. Yeah. I'm still in awe of someone walking into a workshop or a play shop or any kind of shop <laughs> and having no concept of of what's what's going to happen. Yeah. And for that's... four days. And it was yeah. absolutely riveting for four mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. Totally transforming. Have you heard of the book, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer? No. So he decides to surrender to everything that comes in his path. Ooh, like Yes Man. It's a Jim Carrey movie. <laughs> Probably not quite like you're seeing, that. You're seeing the great difference between the two of us. <laughs> So go on with the uh, Well, I'm only partly through it. Okay. But, um, but for instance, for instance, he gets a phone call from somebody who started um, a college, an affiliate college, and he says, I want you to come and teach here. And it involves him moving. And he says, well, you know, I'd really rather not. And he said, yes, I understand, but we need you here. We want you on the staff. And he says, no, you know, thank you anyway. And he said, look, I'm not asking. I'm telling you. And at that point, he had to summon up all his will, because he didn't want to do it, to say, okay, yes, I'll do it. Um, because he's, he was doing this surrender experiment. And um, every time, so far, he surrenders, it leads him to an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure this will, too. Yes. I think it's, that's wonderful. I, my brother has some a story like that, one of my brothers, who didn't have a five-year plan, but just said yes to opportunities that he thought were the next great growth business. Wow. And so he comes back around and he's finally living, you know, well, he's, he's always been doing things he enjoyed, but he always was moving forward, but not with a plan in place. And I think that's, again, the openness to, oh, what's next for me? Yeah. Where's that going to lead me? Right. Yeah. I, I don't have a five-year plan. Do you have a five-year plan? No, gosh, no. I have a five-minute plan. I guess, I guess I have a five-minute plan. We're going to finish the podcast. That would be my five-minute plan. Should, we, should yeah. we tell them our secret, though? Which secret is we that? We started this podcast without any idea of where we would go with it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And you can't tell from our topics. <laughs> openness like one of the things he commits to himself is that he is not going to do any pre-planning he's going to walk into that classroom not knowing what he's going to say he'll just surrender to what's needed in that moment as a teacher that just is the most terrifying <laughs> thing that I could possibly imagine I yeah and uh, and I, I don't think I'll be doing that but, well, that's, maybe, but it's okay. Yeah. But it's okay because I'm open to the idea that someone else likes doing that. Yes, and there may be yeah. other areas in your life, maybe yes. smaller areas where you can surrender, and same with me. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's delightful. So this has been really interesting. I think um, I did find a study on the term openness that was talking about how when we cultivate openness, age we age more peacefully, more gracefully. That makes sense. I mean, I, I've seen, and I'm sure you have too, the older grandparent or just the older person who is so interested in life and right. just so enjoying the children or whatever. And, and there's that openness versus the one who's just grumpy and closed <laughs> and wants you to go away. And you kids want... get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, we get to choose what yeah. kind of person we want to be as we get older. It's like I say to my 16-year-old, what kind of a man do you want to be? Because you're turning into him. And it's the same with us. What kind of an older person do we want to be? I want to still be laughing. I Me still want to laugh too. every day. Be trying new things. I want to be open and light. Mm -hmm. 
I want to be respectful of the way my body's aging and growing and appreciate it so that I'm not putting it into dangerous situations, but open to new experiences. Me too. Me too. I want to respect it and and respect its limitations, but not over-limit me and it. So that was great. I think we'll, we'll let everybody know how it goes as we're being more open. <laughs> yes, and maybe you can let us know how it's going for you. That's right. This has been Mary Thompson. And Janae Anderson, signing off.